0: Hello, hello, this is Jonathan, and you're listening to the Johnny Talks podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my good friend Lee Huffman from the We Travel There podcast. We met through the FinCom community, and I had the chance to be on his show as well to talk about Oslo. This was actually my first podcast ever, and the spark to this podcast actually. Next to his podcast, Lee is a freelance writer about all topics personal finance, and of course traveling. Yeah, he writes about credit cards, points and miles, travel hacks, and so on and so on. What I, however, did not know when I met Lee Is that he recently left a very well paid job and moved cities within the US to live a more balanced lifestyle, pursue his passions, and to spend more time with his kids. And this is what we will talk about today how and why Lee made these drastic changes to his lifestyle, and how you can achieve that as well, even with a regular income. This episode is for you if you're looking at making intentional changes to your lifestyle, improve your work life balance, and still progress on your financial goals. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Lee. How are you doing today? Oh, it's great. You know, uh, a little
1: cloudy outside. It's getting to be wintertime, but uh, overall, it's great.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Where are you uh, located, uh, Lee? I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So
1: it's, um, it's a really popular city. It's been growing significantly. Probably about 100 people a day are moving here because there's so much going on in this world. We moved here about two years ago and uh, we couldn't be happier with our choice.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Lee, I know you mostly through or primarily through your your, uh, podcast, We Travel There, Uh, where we can touch upon it at the end of the show. But um, yeah, brought you here and I'm excited to have you on. Why? Because you have quite a story. You talk about Nashville and uh, actually not later than two years ago, you were still uh, in LA. So -hmm. you moved two years ago to uh, Nashville and you were in a full-time job in uh, corporate finance, I believe. And... You made the move to Nashville, and this is uh, what I want to talk to you about today.
1: That sounds great. I look forward to uh, talking about it.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Lee, maybe you can introduce a bit uh, the story behind that move. So you've been working 18 years as a corporate finance professional for 18 years in the same company. And two years ago, you decided to, um, or maybe a bit before the, the move, you decided to, to move to Nashville. So. Um, what happened, actually? So you you were <laughs> happy, you were not happy, You and I think you, you were making quite some good money. So people would think, well, why not uh, stay there?
1: No, absolutely. So I'll just go back a little bit. Yeah, I worked in banking for almost 20 years, so about 18 years or so. I mm-hmm. uh, worked in banking for a few different banks. So started with a regional bank, and then uh, we got bought by Citibank, and then moved to Bank of America. And then from there... Um, those were all on the sales side of the banking so working with customers uh you creating loans doing investments uh opening up bank accounts you know the, all, all the different basics that you'd have uh, at your bank yeah and then i i wanted to get away from the, the the sales side of things and i wanted to be more on the strategic uh side of of the bank and helping really kind of form where the bank is going on a, on a strategic level and so i found this opportunity at city national bank Uh, where I was a uh, FP&A, so financial planning and analysis manager. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially, I was supporting the back office side. So basically, I would do budgeting, forecasting, strategic planning. I would do business cases if we were looking to expand or uh, bring a new product in or looking at even closing uh, branches or different offices. And uh, so over the course of 13 years, I supported almost every different division of the bank. And uh, so it really gave me a good flavor of all the different aspects of banking, uh, both from an operational standpoint as well as uh, sales. And and uh, overall, I mean, I had a good experience there. I'm not sure exactly what happened, honestly, but just at a, at a certain point, probably about six months before we moved, there was a, I don't know, it was just made clear to me that my time was going to be short. And, and instead of sticking out, Uh, And hanging out for a long period of time and just waiting for the axe to fall, I started thinking, okay, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have a I have a next move to plan, you know. And I can either go find another corporate finance job and you know start working, you know, really long hours for the new company. Potentially, have a long commute again. Uh, Where I was living before was in Orange County, where basically where Disneyland is, Mm -hmm. and I was working in downtown LA, which is about 35 miles, so it's not too far. Distance-wise, but because of traffic and because of trains and everything else, is basically an hour and a half each way. So three hours a day, I was commuting from Anaheim to uh, downtown Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, that was, you know, like when you are single or maybe you're married uh, but uh, no kids yet. Those type of hours, as far as long hours at work and those type of hours of commuting, aren't that big of a deal, right? You just okay, this is what I got to do, mm-hmm. and um, but once you start having kids and you start realizing how much you're missing, you know, that really starts to wear on you. And so probably five, six years ago, I uh, was listening to a podcast from one of the people from FinCon uh, where you and I know each other from. And they were talking about creating a plan to 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 basically be able to be either retired or financially independent in 10 years or less. And uh, of course, like you mentioned, I I had a little bit of an advantage because I was making really good money at the bank. You know, Mm -hmm. I was making between salary and bonus, approximately $200,000 a year. Yeah, And so that's nothing to sneeze at, you know, I mean, that's really good money. um, Especially when the average salary in the United States is probably between 50 to $60,000.
0: And you enjoyed your job. Yeah, it it was good. I mean, I
1: I got to work with uh, the top levels of management in the company, uh, you know, really basically being the right hand person, as far as all the numbers are concerned. Mm -hmm. And so it was really great for for a number of years and then i don't know what happened but i went from being a hero to a zero i mean i was the guy that my boss would send me to, to whatever problem was happening you know with ever what with whatever division he would say hey lee go go work with this executive figure out what's going on and, and get it fixed mm-hmm. that's what i would do and then i don't know what happened things changed and i was no longer that guy i don't know if it was Something with him, something with me, or a combination of the, thereof, you know, probably the combination, you know, I mean, after my dad passed away in uh, 2012, I, I definitely had a, a different mindset, mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, trying to figure out what was most important to me. And um, so I'm sure I, and then also with my, my son being born in 2011 and then my daughter in 2015, between all those things happening, you know, it really kind of reevaluates your priorities and, and you have to figure out what's most important to you at that point. Sure. and i used to want to be in the top levels of of management within a, a bank or another company but i started realizing that it wasn't worth all that extra effort to um, be away from your family and, and everything else and so so i don't know if it was like a kind of a subconscious thing where i i would still get my job done i would still put in all the work that i needed to do to get my job done but maybe i didn't put in all the extra effort mm-hmm. you know that some of the other people were i don't feel that i made any Different change in that, but I mean, definitely there were times where I would say, you know what, I can work a little bit more and maybe get something, you know, a, a fraction of, a, of an ounce different, right? Or I can spend those, you know, three hours hanging out with my family, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the long hours and because of the commute, my wife is working full-time as well. We would drop our kids off at 6.30 in the morning and then pick them up at 6.30 at night and then get home, you know, around seven, eat. Right. It's, uh, it's a spend day, a little bit yeah. of time with them and then put them in bed by nine, you know? Yeah. And so you barely see your family. And it's like, the money is great. You know, California is an awesome place to live you know, as far as like sunshine and weather and, and everything else. But if you're doing all that and not being able to enjoy it, like, why are you doing it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so, again, when it was made clear to me that it was time to leave, you know, we basically went through that process. Thinking with my wife and saying, okay, well, what should we do? Uh, with my career and your career, should I go find another corporate finance job that hopefully would be in Orange County? So hopefully it'd be closer, right? But Orange County is also a growing area and a lot of business and you know, the requisite traffic that goes along with that. Yeah. So even if I found something closer, it'd still be, you know, half hour to an hour drive in most cases uh, each way. And so, uh, and then plus obviously if you're in the top levels of of the management, you're you're spending a lot of hours. You're not working 40 hours a week if you're in a if you're getting paid that well, and you're at the top level of the organization. That's just not how it works. And so, say so you know what we've we've always talked about living someplace else, and um, maybe we should do that. You know, and as we were thinking about everything, that's when uh, really I had a I had a bad issue with uh with health and went out on stress leave just because. Like I, I felt like a, in some ways I was having like a heart attack. Uh, just the pains in my in my chest and everything went through all the different EKGs and and doctors' appointments and, and stress tests and everything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Said I was in perfect health. Not well, maybe maybe not perfect. I could obviously lose you know, five or ten pounds, right? Like a lot of us. But uh, they said there was nothing wrong with my heart. Yeah. You know, the, the, there was no problems there. And and really, they said that it must be something like the mental. You know, just dealing with the stress of it all. And so I started going to see a therapist and everything else. And that that's kind of what, what we realized. That's what it was. And I uh, went out on stress leave uh, for, I don't know, probably seven weeks, something like that. And during that time is really where we made a decision, okay, do I really want to go back there and go back into that stressful situation? Because obviously nothing has changed and and possibly it could be even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, hey, you've been gone for all this time and we're sitting here picking up the slack for for you being gone. And so I don't. We just basically said, you know what? I don't think they. I don't think I'm going to be welcome back. Uh, I'm going to go back and, and see. But let's figure out a plan B in case that that doesn't work. And so we basically talked about where we'd want to live if I didn't have this job and and wasn't kind of tied down to that golden parachute of, you know, two hundred thousand a year. Where should where should we go? Um, mm-hmm. Because the main thing is, even though I was making that good of money, California is an expensive place to live. I mean, our house uh, was really expensive. The average home there is probably seven hundred thousand for you know a single family home, and then you know California is known for state high state income taxes and um, all sorts of other bills that are that are pretty high. And we combined, we were paying for the two kids, we were paying three thousand dollars a month for daycare and private school. Wow. And so
2: <laughs> that's you know even though
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a significant cool. number right. And so yeah. even though I was making my paycheck, it was probably let's say about uh, 13, 14,000 a month before taxes. And then by the time you get taxes and everything else like that taken out and then you pay your mortgage and then you pay your like daycare expenses and, and some of those things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: next thing you know, there's, there's a lot less money left over. Right. And so uh, it is good money, but it goes, it goes pretty quickly. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we, we started thinking, okay, well, because I'm a numbers guy, I said, okay, well, <laughs> if we weren't uh, living here, you know, what would our cost be? You know, let's take a look at like average homes in some different cities that we would be interested in living Mm -hmm. in. And, um, so, okay, we ran the numbers. And essentially if my wife essentially kept her job and made, made the same amount, and then I just either did some freelance work, uh, drove Uber, you know, um, whatever, just, I would only need to make like a a thousand or 2000 a month. and, And we'd totally be fine as far as covering all of our bills we wouldn't we be accelerating did, our you payoff. Didn't like we want to go
0: back to, to the bank world. I mean, you that was done, and you wanted to absolutely go to a freelance job or something a bit even low, just enough, or uh, to pay the bills. Or what was you, what were you looking for actually?
1: Well, part of the conversation with us moving was okay. If we go someplace that's lower cost, we can get close to paying off all the bills with their paycheck, and I would only need to make a little bit because we were marveling about how quickly our kids have grown, you know, and mm-hmm. basically growing under right underneath our eyes. And, you know, again, they were at the time we, we moved, they were three and seven. It's like, wow, they we've missed so much from all the work we were doing and all the hours commuting and everything else like that. Is it really worth it? And so already I was kind of on a plan of trying to get everything paid off it within 10 years. That was the, that was the goal. And so I was already get, paying off some bills. I paid off my car. I paid off my student loans making progress on my wife's student loans and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so if we move to someplace that's lower cost, instead of waiting the 10 years, what if we, you know, just, if I didn't work a corporate job and my wife could then focus on her her career and moving her career forward, and I basically took front and center with the children as far as taking them to school and uh, taking them to sports and doctor's appointments and those types of things. That way, I can maintain a, a flexible work schedule and basically work when they are uh, in class or at night uh, on my projects, and yeah. then my wife can have the normal nine to five uh, type of job, and uh, we would be uh, you know, we'd be doing okay. Yeah, like like you said, like we wouldn't be making the the really good money we were, like we were making before, but I think we'd have a much better quality of life. And I think after you know having kids, like that really changes your mindset. And then my mindset changed even more. So when my father passed away that, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not guaranteed tomorrow, you know, and it's great to be able to save. And obviously you got to save for the future, but you also got to balance things where you can't just be blindly, you know, focus on a goal thirty, thirty 30 or 40 years from now and ignore what's happening to you uh, today.
0: Yeah. Especially if you have the kids growing up, it's, it's fantastic, uh, yeah, to, absolutely. To see and, them uh, to see them grow and spend time, huh? of course, yeah,
1: yeah. And you know, I think because I was home uh, and because I was here uh, with the children, it made the transition easier uh, from moving from California to Nashville. You know, we didn't have any problems. You know, sometimes you know when, when families move, then there becomes behavior problems and those type of things. We didn't have any of that, and the the kids were doing well in school. My son was you know handling his school, and then my daughter was going to actually staying with me, but I was doing some work with her and uh, she's now in kindergarten. And so they both have flourished well as far as uh, academically and, and everything else. And I think if if we moved and we basically just dropped them off at daycare uh, and then I went to go back to another corporate job, the transition would have been much harder. Yeah. You know, sure. and especially now that we're in coronavirus, you know, I'm still doing my freelance work and, and working on my own, uh, my own website and those types of things. But because I don't have the the same pressures of large bills and, uh, you know, larger lifestyle and those types of things, then, you know, I can basically sit with them from 730 to 230 every day and, and make sure that they are doing well in their school. And even if I'm just sitting there playing on my phone, just, I think part of it is just the fact that I'm sitting there with them <laughs> gives them some confidence that if they have a question or if they need something, I'm right there for them, mm. you know? And unfortunately a lot of families right now don't have that luxury, you know, uh, they've, um, you know, maybe it's a single, single parent, you know, and working, you know, one or two jobs to try to get all the bills paid, or maybe it's a two income household and, and they're both working and and trying to juggle it as well. I mean, even for us, it's, it's still a challenge, you know, I mean, uh, I like money, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to build my business and, uh, it was doing really well as it was, as we headed into the coronavirus, but because I write a lot about credit cards and travel, uh, some of those clients backed off or stopped completely. But I've been picking up other other types of clients that are more banking and investments. And so I still have work that, that needs to get done uh, so that way I can earn some money, so that way we can uh, pay off our home quicker, save more for the kids for college, and, and those types of things, the goals that we have uh, as a family. but so I'm essentially working as a teacher unpaid, uh, (laughs) during the day. (laughs) And then when it's done, then I work for a little bit, uh, for, you know, an hour or two. And then, then it's take the kids to sports. Then I bring my iPad and I work when I'm there, uh, watching them practice, but then also trying to type out an outline or type out, you know, some portions of an article and then drive home, do a little bit more work while, while my wife is cooking dinner and then eat dinner and then, work a little bit more until basically 12 or, or, uh, or one o'clock in the morning, uh, and then start all over again, you know? And, and yeah. so it's, uh, it's a challenge, you know? And even like, again, even with me, I, I could probably dial it back if I, if I really wanted to, you know, and that's the, uh, the power of having that, that financial freedom by paying off so many of our bills and, and not succumbing to like a bigger lifestyle. Cause when we moved here uh, from California to Nashville, our home was literally half the price of what we sold in California. Yeah. And it's 30% bigger. And so we have a really nice house here, you know, and we could have moved something smaller when we'd have an even smaller mortgage payment, but you know, I mean, when it's so cheap, it's, it's easy to go, you know what, let's, uh, let's do something a little bit, a little bit nicer. Yeah. Nice. And uh, so you you want to spoil yourself a little bit, you know, you don't want to live the life of a monk, but overall it's, it's, it's still a challenge. And, you know, we have the goals. I mean, I, one of the goals of, of moving here, initially we got a 30 year mortgage and uh, it was at 4.1%. And I said, okay, you know what, if I'm, if I'm doing well at the freelancing and I don't want to wait 30 years because I was already in my early forties and I don't want to be 70 years old when, <laughs> when uh, the mortgage is paid off. Yeah. I said, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm making extra money and we we're knocking off different bills one by one, what would, I, what would I need to take if I said, you know what, if I could pay it off in 10 years instead of 30 years, how much extra would I have to pay every month? And so that's been the goal is saying, okay, uh, make not only enough to like pay our bills, like the utilities and, and car payments and, and whatever, but on top of that, set aside an extra amount of money. Uh, that way we can pay off the, whole, the house that much quicker. Yeah. So for the last two and a half years, basically we've been putting, putting a chunk away every month uh, into an investment account. To build up a balance where it's a mortgage payoff fund, and then also obviously paying uh, the mortgage down every month. And then almost six months ago, we refinanced it into a 15 year at 2.6%. Oh, great. So uh, that payment obviously went up a little bit because you're paying more principal over a shorter period of time. But um, between doing that mortgage, reducing the interest, and then me paying yep. the extra into you mortgage payoff fund,
0: money, Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. we'll. we'll We'll save a lot of money on interest, but also I mean, we'll probably have it paid off in another six or seven years, mm-hmm. maybe less. Uh, this, I guess it all depends on how the market does and, and everything else. But some people you know, really are focused on, okay, that amount of money should have been put into the mortgage and just pay off the mortgage quicker. But personally, I like the flexibility of, of not doing that because one, there's obviously a potential higher returns uh, in the stock market especially versus like a 2.6% mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. But also because I'm a freelancer and because my income is erratic and because of the coronavirus where you know, my income you know, dropped from where I was the, the four months leading up to the coronavirus, it basically dropped 50%. Mm-hmm. And so overnight, you know, <laughs> a lot of the money that we were doing and we were doing really well with it, obviously uh, all of a sudden all that went away.
0: Yeah, and if you paid... Um... I guess if you pay the house, I mean, if you pay your mortgage faster, it's liquid in a way because you can put yeah. it in the stock market and at least it's semi-liquid. At least you can sell your assets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even though the stock market obviously dropped as well yes. in March mm-hmm. when, uh, and it still hasn't recovered to its highs. And, you know, obviously even today, the last couple of days, it, it's actually been going down. And so, yeah, you may lose a little bit of money, mm-hmm. but like you said, once you, once you pay extra principal on your mortgage, the only way to get that money back out is either to refinance your mortgage, which is costly, or, or, and you have to get approved for it. And so if your income is down, it's harder to get approved for it. Mm-hmm. Or you have to be able to get a home equity line of credit. And again, you have to get approved for that. And so I just don't like locking money up and locking money away. I'd rather have a- options. And, and so putting it into the investment fund, to me, gives the options. And so w- what may happen is you know, when it comes time and we go, you know what, we now have enough. We can just literally cash out and write a check to pay off the mortgage. I don't know that we will, you know, I think mm-hmm. one, um, it's like, you know, it's for savings. We we're kind of going down that path and we've already kind of, uh, penciled that into our mind, right. That mortgage payment and that extra amount. So even if we don't need to do it, it's uh, it's a way to kind of keep building that financial future. But beyond that, maybe it's just one of those things where you go, you know what, Instead of writing the check, let's just stop you know, writing a check ourselves. And what we'll do is every month, we'll just withdraw the mortgage payment from uh, from the investment account, Let the rest of it continue to ride based on the market performance. And then we don't have to write the check anymore. All we got to do is just pull it out of the investment account and, uh, and, and pay the mortgage with that. And now we have extra cash uh, that we can use to maybe pay the kids tuition or send them to a nicer school or help them get started up with their life by buying them a home or, you know, saving up for like their wedding and those type of things.
0: Yeah, but that's great. That's great. And Lee, one question I have is that, okay, you you managed to move from LA to Nashville. Mm -hmm. Uh, You found a better work-life balance for yourself, but you had quite a good uh, income. This is not the case for uh, many people listening probably. And uh, okay, in Europe, it's uh, okay. It's the incomes are usually less. The situations are different, but how can, for example, people in the U.S. with a lower salary, can they achieve the same kind of uh, lifestyle change as you did? Is that possible? Are there ways to do that? Or what should they, be, what should they focus on? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, yeah, like I said, I, obviously I had a head start because of the income, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but we, like I said, we also had a lot of bills too, you know, and mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't all just play money. But I think that people that have a, a lower salary and there's a, there are ways for them to do that. One uh, very simple one is take a look at the where you're spending your money and see if there are cheaper alternatives. Right? Mm-hmm. If you if you have cable, you can you switch over to like Hulu instead. And like in the U.S., cable TV is you know eight like probably eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars a month,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And maybe switch to Netflix, which is you know ten bucks or fifteen. And then and Hulu, which is another like five or six bucks, and it's so now you're only spending twenty instead of spending you know eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars, and and so that little bit of money every month adds up quickly over the course of a year. You know mm-hmm. those type of things. Uh, shopping your insurance on your car, shopping your insurance on your home, you looking to, to refinance your uh, your mortgage, all those different types of things. Those are like the 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 low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. It's it doesn't take a lot of effort, it doesn't take a lot of work, and but once you do it. Now it's automatic, and like once you refinance your home, or once you lower your your bill on your cell phone, or your mo- or your utilities, or whatever, that's locked in. You don't have to worry about it. Like you did it. You did the work this month. Next next month, you're still going to reap those rewards. And the next month, and the next month, and the next month. You know. And so, I'm I'm a big fan of doing a little bit of work and getting a, a lot of return. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so mm-hmm. those are great ways to to do it right away. Right. But. You can't cut your way to prosperity. You know, that's one of the big things that I think you know, both you and I uh, agree on, and, and a lot of our friends in the FinCon world talk about, is that you're you can only cut your expenses so much, right? Like exactly. we're not going to go live on the corner in a in a cardboard box, right? You,
0: I'm not going to make my own toothpaste. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh God. You know, we do have <laughs> friends that in this world that they make their own toothpaste and they they pull the light bulb out of the fridge and and out of the oven and those types of things. <laughs> Like, seriously, like you just save five cents over the course of a year, like, let's, let's focus on the bigger, let's, let's exactly. focus on the bigger tasks that I have. Mm. So one of the things I would recommend people do is look at where you're spending your money and figure out what are the top 10 things you spend your money on. You know, it's like your housing, your car, your, your food, all those different things like that and say, okay, of those top 10, of those top 10 things, how can I shave some money off of those? Because if you're like, you know, um. In the personal finance world, they talk about like the latte factor. Oh, just cut out coffee, and, and that's five dollars a day, and and everything like that. It's like okay, I, you can't deny yourself every little small pleasure. <laughs> you know, if that's not the, I don't think that's the world that anybody really wants to sign up for.
0: No, otherwise you overthink every single purchase.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and your time is worth something, and you know, you go okay, well, I'm going to drive you know, 15 miles down the road to go save 10 cents on on the on the gallon of gas okay, well, what was your time worth? And could you have maybe done something better with that time? And mm-hmm. then how much gas did you actually burn driving down those 15 miles <laughs> back, back and forth uh, to be able to save a little bit of money? And so that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of focusing on like what your top 10 expenses are, mm-hmm. taking a look at those and figuring out, okay, what can I do to reduce those expenses? And then the the next thing I would do is say, okay, of the things I'm doing today, how can I generate better returns off of those and so especially right now during coronavirus very few of us are actually going to the store and shopping right most of us are, are doing online shopping and those types of things mm-hmm. so the way to to kind of generate some extra cash off of those activities is number one getting a credit card that provides cash back and so i i'm not familiar with all the different uh types of credit cards and those types of things in europe but in, in america there are a lot of different types of credit cards that offer cash back on your purchases. And some of them, uh, in, instead of just being a, a broad cash back card, maybe they offer bonus cash back in certain categories like uh, maybe groceries or gas or travel or food, those types of things. And so, again, it, you've already done the math a little bit on where you spend the most money. Maybe you find a credit card that gives you cash back on those categories where you spend the most. And so you're going to do that. And so now you're going to pay every month with that credit card. But the number one thing you want to do is also pay it off in full every month because you don't want to earn a little bit of cash back. And then next thing you know, the the bank is charging you more interest than what you earned on the cash back. And and now you're even in a worse financial position. So you're going to do that. But now, like I said, if you're doing a lot of online shopping, instead of going directly to that store, like in the US, uh, Target and Kohl's and Home Depot and Lowe's and a lot of those types of stores are very popular here. Instead of going directly to their website, go to a website that offers uh, a cash back through a portal the shopping portals what they do essentially it's uh, like you know the world that you and I are in and Jonathan it's uh, an affiliate world right so mm-hmm. yeah. if we if we drive traffic to that retailer they will share a portion of the transaction with us right it's like mm-hmm. it's uh, that that affiliate that profit sharing model and so essentially what these shopping portals do instead of giving you instead of them taking all the money from that referral Essentially, they share a portion of it back with you. Yep. And so, if you love to travel, and again, not a lot of people are traveling right now due to the coronavirus, but hopefully next year or the year after, we'll be traveling a lot more. And so, what you can do is there's airline shopping portals, there are um, bank points shopping portals like Chase and and Capital One and those type of things, uh, and then there's also cash back portals. And so, if you're looking to try to get ahead and pay off your debt and and get to that financial freedom, doing a going through the, the cashback portals, is probably a good thing. And so one of my favorites is Cashback Monitor. And so what they are, they're kind of like an Expedia where they look at all the different cashback sites or all the different shopping portals out there. And when you type in one of your favorites, what it'll do is say, okay, here are the different portals and how much they offer, whether it's airline miles, points, or cashback. And then that way you can pick which one is most attractive to you. mm mm-hmm. And so if you do just those two things. Again, once you apply for the credit card, all you got to do is remember to use it and pay it off in full, right? And yep. so again, that's that's an easy win, and especially if you if you apply for a credit card a lot of times in the US anyways, you'll get a sign-up bonus if you spend a little bit of money on it. And so that'll give you an extra few hundred dollars to help you accelerate the payoff of some of your debt or build up that financial cushion and in case of an emergency, like, you know, like some of us have had that reduced income during coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so the only real active part now is every time you go shopping, instead of going to that website directly, take 15 seconds, go to Cashback Monitor, type in that retailer's name and see which shopping portals are available, click the link and boom, now you're it sends you over back to that website of that retailer you want to purchase from and now you're earning cash back on your transaction.
0: Yeah, it's great because these are things that you... You were gonna buy anyway so then you might as well save some money on it yeah, absolutely and so yeah. so those
1: are like two really good ways to to do things mm-hmm. as far as being able to reduce your expenses and then obviously earn a little bit of money on some of the things you're going to be doing anyways yeah and then number three is hopefully you have some time in your schedule and you're going to do some things where maybe you're either learning a new skill uh, there are a lot of Most people think when they learn a new skill, oh, I got to go to school. It's going to cost so much money. It's going to take so long. In today's internet, it doesn't take that long to be able to learn a new skill. There's a lot of free resources. Uh, Khan Academy uh, has either free or or cheap resources. Let's see, Skillshare is another one. Uh, MIT, they have an online school. Udemy. Yeah, Udemy. Uh, So there's a lot of places out there where you can learn some new skills. Obviously, it's not the same thing as getting a, a degree from Harvard or... Some other prestigious school, right? Mm-hmm. But if you learn the skill and you can and you can show an employer, either your current employer or a prospective new one, that you have these skills that are in demand, maybe it's a way to be able to earn a little bit of extra money and get a boost in your salary or boost in your in your your bonus, or uh, maybe even if it's a lateral move, but it's a company that instead of maybe you're working right now for a small shop and there's no opportunity to move up within the company, but if you can take the skills that you learn and get a a job at a larger company where there is more opportunity to move up, maybe you're not going to make that bump in salary right away, but with the opportunities that you have at that larger company, you will over time.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So there's that, but also you can also, uh, try to learn some skills where you can maybe start a side hustle, right? Like whether it's, uh, you're doing some consulting, you doing some graphic design, uh, selling things on Etsy, whatever it is, Take some of your time that you have, obviously not all of it because you still want to be able to spend time with your family and watch TV or or whatever you want to do, but take a a small portion of your time and say, you know what, of these four hours or 10 hours or whatever a week that you can spend,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to try to do something where I'm going to be able to earn a little bit of extra money, whether it's, again, selling on Etsy, creating some crafts that you can sell on Etsy, doing some design work. Uh, There are are websites all over the place where you can say, you know what, I'm looking to do these services like on Fiverr or um, I see like there's Clear Voice for for freelance writing, there's uh, Upwork. There's a lot of different sites like that. But if you just look up for like side hustles or whatever your profession is or whatever your skill is and look at jobs or freelance, you'll find a uh, a lot of sites out there that have basically a portal where people are looking to do work and where people are looking to to pay somebody to do that work, and again, maybe you're only going to earn hundred dollars, or fifty dollars, or something that's relatively small. It's getting that experience, getting that practice, and the more that you hone that skill, the more you have the ability to ask for the next client for a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. You know, because once you have a kind of a portfolio, you have some testimonials, those types of things from people that you've already done the work for. Now you're able to to potentially get a little bit more money with the next client because they go, wow, this person is not like an unknown commodity. You know, I don't know whether or not they can perform the, the job that's necessary. But if you have a lot of five-star reviews from your previous clients, they go, wow, this this person must really rock at, at their job. That's the person I want because they're, uh, they're reasonably affordable. They obviously do high quality work because you, they're getting great ratings. And you're basically just looking at their portfolio. They look like, that's the type of work that I really want.
0: Mm. Yeah. And then Lee, so if I summarize, basically you, um, you track your expenses, you, you save costs on the 10 most expensive categories uh, of, of your cost. Then you try to do, um, you negotiate and then you try to find, um, a new, a side hustle. You try to make more. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and talking about, uh, those side hustles, I mean, your side this freelancing of yours that was a passion that you developed through the years, even when you were working at the bank, or is that something that came after when you decided to move to nashville?
1: Uh, sure, yeah, no so for me it was it was one of those things where it kind of combined uh, two things it was one, uh, you know I love the travel, and that's you know you and I had kind of hit it off talking about traveling and everything and <laughs> and so I love the travel my wife and I traveled. You know, all the time. Even when we had kids, we, we still traveled quite a bit. And uh, I used a lot of airline miles and hotel points to pay for our travels instead of, instead of cash. And so a lot of our friends, because they knew that I made good money at the bank, they just wrongly assumed that because I made good money, I was able to afford all the travels we were doing. And I would always reply to them. I said, look, obviously, you know how frugal I am. Why would you think I'd be spending so much money on, on all these different trips? And so I said, you know, I'm going to start a website and I'm going to show people, you know, how I do things, oh, um, yeah. and, and how, and basically walk them through the process. So that way, if they want to do it, they can kind of follow the steps that, I, that I've created. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing my blog in December, 2012 and, you know, naively I was like, oh, I'm going to create this website. I'm going to write a few posts and, you know, there's going to be some money coming in. Right. <laughs> and, uh, that's not the case. You know, I think um, a lot of people, when they write their blogs, either one, they just start out and they really don't gain any traction. They don't know how to monetize it. Those type of things. And it's just, you're just writing, you're like talking into the wind. You know, you're you're doing action, but you're not really getting anything in return. Mm-hmm. Uh, even today, like my website, you know, makes a little bit of money, but it's not enough to for the average person to, to live on. And so, although it didn't, do that for me as far as, you know, generating a lot of cash. What it did do is it gave me one, a portfolio. When I talk to freelance clients, I can point to them and say, look, these are the type of articles that I can write. This is the quality of writing that I can do. And so again, it, it gives them that, that confidence that, wow, this person knows how to properly structure sentences
2: mm-hmm.
1: and paragraphs and a cohesive point and everything else. And so there's that. But it also, it's just, it, it gave me that practice of writing. And so I, I you know, practice and practice and practice. And like anything, like, you know, you and I with our, with our podcasts and our websites, the stuff we did years ago, uh, we'd almost be ashamed if you compare it to versus where we're, we are today. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like anything in life, you know. You start out and you're you're not going to be very good at it.
0: You throw spaghetti at the wall, basically, and see what yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> absolutely. You know, and then you talk to your friends. You pick up a little bit here and there, and and you get better over time. And so, I was doing the podcast. I mean, so I was doing my website, and then I learned about a thing called FinCon, which is a, a personal finance conference where it's not so much for, for people who want to learn about money, but it's a conference for people who talk about money, whether it's on their podcast, social media. You know websites, those types of things. Uh, we all get together and talk about how we can teach people better, how we can do better with our with our content, so that way uh, people learn more and we can really impact and improve their lives, right? Yeah. And so I started learning about FinCon, started going, but at the time I was working you know, my 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 bank job, and so really it was more of me going there, and I learned a little bit because I'm like, okay, well I'm you know this is my hobby, you do my website. It's kind of fun to do and I might as well learn something while I'm here. But really the majority of the benefit was about meeting new people, uh, learning from them and just kind of creating those friendships that at some point in the future, you know, they might be able to provide something that you need, right? And you might be able to provide something that they need. I mean, that's really what the friendship's all about. And so I was going for several years and then again, it came time where it was made clear to me that it was time to leave my job. I, what I did is I said, "Okay, well, I've been writing my blog for all these years. I wonder if I can make a living doing it for some of these other sites because I know that some of my friends make really good money, uh, a few of them I mean they make you know close to three hundred thousand or if not more, per year mm-hmm. writing articles for other websites and that's just I mean that's just crazy money, you know and uh, I obviously, like we talked about it, my expenses are a lot lower here, and I want to be able to balance being able to spend time with my family versus you're writing a bunch of articles, but I'm like, okay, if I can be half as successful as them, or you know, a third of as successful as them, that would be really something, you know. Yeah, and so, still very high. <laughs> yeah, and still, yeah, lots of money, right? Yeah. And so, I said, okay, well, let's, you know, let me just kind of talk to them and ask them, you know, how they do it, how they find clients, and you know, how they, this is kind of how it all works, right? Like, how do you build them, and and how do you find them, and hmm. how do you work with them, and. And on all those different things. And so I reached out to probably a, a handful of friends, like four or five, and just kind of spent half an hour or so talking with them and saying, okay, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And having those conversations with people that I trusted and people that I knew that were successful and not just somebody that's trying to sell you a webinar off the, off the internet or yeah. trying to sell you their ebook or whatever. Hey, look at me. I, I work three hours a week and I make you know, $50,000 a month. Mm. You know, it's like, well, really? are you making it from your website or making it from selling books to people like me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so by talking to people that I really trust and admire, I learned you know, what they did. And I said, okay, well, you know, without being offensive to them, I was like, okay, well, they don't have the same personal finance background that I do, like from investments and banking and stuff like that. If I can, again, be a half as successful or a third or, or whatever, just a fraction of their success with the knowledge that i have i think that i think i could do this you know yeah and and so that gave me the confidence to at least try to pursue that as a career right and um you know again one of the people that i reached out to they said well hey you know i have this client i i don't have the capacity to take it and it's a it's probably a little bit lower rate than what i would would take from from a client but as you, for you starting out i think this would be a good assignment for you and that assignment was it was an insurance company and they were doing like thousand word articles for about a hundred dollars. And so, um, again, because I was new to it all, like, I I don't know if this is a good rate or not. And so, uh, if you do freelance writing or that's something that you're interested in, uh, they kind of focus on a per word, like a cents per word. And,
2: and, Mm -hmm.
1: and that article for a hundred dollars, uh, for a thousand words, that's 10 cents a word. And it's not the greatest rate, you know, I mean, (laughs) I have clients that are, that pay far better than that today, but it's something that was decent. It was something that kind of got my, my feet wet.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And when I reached out to even further clients uh, down the road, because I was able to have things published by somebody else versus just my own, it gave me a little bit more credibility. And they said, okay, well, you know, it's kind of like when, when you're, (laughs) when you're dating, you know, before you get married or even after you get married, right. It's, you're much more attractive once somebody else kind of validates you, right? Yeah. Like if You're single and you're lonely, you know, right? You know, it seems like you're never going to find you know, somebody. But once you find a girlfriend, all of a sudden, like everybody's like, oh, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a long time. They go, like, oh, sorry, I got somebody now. You know, and so it's kind of the same thing with, with this. It's that once somebody else has published your work, that's, uh, you know, the validation that they need. And because what happens if, if uh, before... When you go, oh hey, I'm looking to freelance right? like, Oh, okay, can you send me your portfolio? I'm like, well, I haven't written for anybody else yet. I, I have some stuff on my own site, uh, which is better than nothing, but it's still not somebody else validating, saying, yeah, okay, sure. mm-hmm. you did good enough work, where we're going to pay you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it just kind of steamrolled, right? Like you just uh, snow, sorry, not steamrolled, it, it snowballed, right? So I started yeah, off with yeah. this one client. You know, I started doing a few articles for them. You know, hundred dollars a pop. And then found another client paying a little bit better, paying a little better, paying a little bit better. And now that I've been doing it for you know about two and a half years, it's one of those things that whenever I come across a new opportunity, I look at it and say, okay, do I have enough capacity to take it on and add it to what I'm already doing? Or when I look at the existing kind of portfolio of clients that I'm working with, is this a, a, cl- a new client that I'm willing to uh, kind of eliminate or reduce one of the clients I'm already working with to fit this one into the, into the portfolio.
0: So it's, it's a reverse now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and in some ways, like uh, there's a lot of, you know, fear and hesitancy about going out onto your own like this, right? Cause you're like, well, I'm used to having a stable paycheck for my job,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And in some ways, you know, we talk about like with real estate, right. It's, or, is, or even with stocks, it's a concentration risk. You have a 100% of your income coming from one source. If that one source gets upset at you and they want to get rid of you, you've now lost 100% of your income. Mm -hmm. But if you have say like 15 different clients and maybe you're only doing like anywhere from like one or two or, or four articles a month for each one of those clients and you lose one because maybe they've run out of budget. They have a new editor and that editor doesn't like your style or wants to bring in their own people or whatever okay, you lost a fraction of your income. You still have more than 90% of your income from all these other sources. Mm-hmm. And so it's, an, it's that ironic situation where, you, where leaving a W-2 job actually provides more safety and security, even though you're not getting that stable W-2 paycheck every you know two weeks or whatever. To me, it's been, it's been great in that sense that I, I have that diversity of income from all those different clients and as, we, as you and I know just from our, our private conversations, I also have some real estate properties. Personally, I don't take any cash off of them. I just use that money to reinvest and mm-hmm. pay down the, the mortgages faster. But uh, So at some point towards, the, towards the retirement age, then, then all those will be paid off. But in the meantime, uh, I, I focus more on, on the freelance income to be able to pay my bills on a, on a daily basis.
0: Okay. And, um, and, and next to your uh, ventures, your uh, freelancing... You have the podcast as well. Uh, we travel there, uh, so how, how is that going for now? I mean, not financially, but how is it going? Because okay, with the coronavirus, are oh, people sure. still listening or or getting inspired? I mean, I like the show, huh? but is it is it uh, how is it going?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, first, for for your listeners, a, a brief intro on it. So what what it, what I do is I interview people from all over the world mm-hmm. to find out the best thing to do in their city. And so what I do is just try to find the average person living in that city and say, hey. Where should we go? What should we eat? Where should we stay? Those type of questions. And essentially, the listener is like a voyeur listening in on that conversation. And so, uh, with it, you know, it was one of those things where it was, I launched it in September of 2018, and it's been growing uh, you know, pretty steadily every month. I've released a little over 120 episodes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely in, in March, uh, I noticed a big drop, right, uh, in mm-hmm. the number of, of people that were downloading it. I think there's just a lot of people that were concerned and, and scared, not really knowing what to do. And so uh, travel was definitely like not the number one thing on their mind at that point. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: But I think by June, uh, one, things had kind of tapered off a little bit, especially here in the US, that we, uh, we had a l- lot more of a quarantine, uh, I think they did in certain countries in, in Europe as well, where people were kind of locked down, uh, people were staying at home. And I think people got a little bit of a cabin fever, where they were just ready to travel, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so people traveled a lot during the, during the summertime and during at, at June. So it, it kind of goes in waves, right? Where I, I get, I get a whole bunch of clients or guests uh, all lined up and, uh, record. And then I have like a, a long list of recordings all all done. And then I go, Oh, uh-oh, I only have like two more episodes to go. And so I gotta reach out to to more guests and try to find more guests to, to be on the podcast.
2: Mm.
1: And so I was talking to my wife about this in June, saying, Oh yeah, I'm I'm close to running out of episodes. I gotta I gotta reach out to people. And she said, Why are you doing that? Nobody's interested in travel right now. Like, <laughs> why are you why are you wasting your time? And why, like it's almost offensive that you would even ask people talking about a podcast about travel when everybody's worried about like you know living like, and travel, not getting sick yeah. right now. <laughs> And so I, I understand that but I I try to take a, a positive stance on things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so one you there's obviously hope that the coronavirus will be gone sometime soon right? whether it's a vaccine whatever it is like we hope that it's going to going to be end or diminish sometime soon so mm-hmm. we can get a little bit back to that normalcy. And so I said, look, people are already trying to book travel for for next year, right? In 2021 and and going into 2022. So I want to be able to inspire people to, to do that. But on top of that, it's really one of those things that people are, are, are sick of being stuck in their walls, you know, whether it's their apartment, their home, or whatever. And they, they, need, they need to be able to kind of have that voyeuristic, living through somebody else's words type of experience. And I think that's what the podcast really does, is that it, it allows people to, to kind of sit back and close their eyes and kind of imagine what it would be like to visit that city. You know, the, the different things to do, where to stay, how to get around, all those types of things. And even in normal times, say coronavirus never happened, you know, in the U.S., we have a lot less vacation time than, than the people in Europe, you know, like you, right? And so the average person here in the U.S. maybe has like two to three weeks vacation. Mm-hmm. And even of that, uh, there's studies that come out pretty much every year of like all this unused vacation days. So people, even though we have less vacation, we still don't use it all.
0: Oh, come on it's right? only two weeks
1: <laughs> yeah, it's only two weeks, and they still yeah. don't use it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, partly I think people are just kind of afraid after like 9-11 and the financial crisis that uh, your company's really kind of clamped down and it's almost like you're afraid to take the time off because mm-hmm. if if you leave and the company operates just fine without you, maybe they don't need you right mm-hmm. and, and so there's a little bit of that fear and so or they're they're running so lean as a company you, you like the company would fall apart if you're gone, and so you we can't afford for you to go on vacation. You need to stay here because otherwise uh, there's no way to do the work that, that mm-hmm. you would do while you're here. I think in a normal times is people, whether they're sitting in a cubicle, their office or on their, on their commute, need an escape. And I think the podcast does that uh, for them as well. And so that's really the kind of the hopes and the dreams of it. And so I noticed in, starting in June that uh, the downloads started really picking up. And then the last couple of months, They've actually done even better than than ever, and uh, last month in September was my was my highest ever. Uh, a little bit over, I think, forty cool. four hundred downloads. And I just looked uh, earlier this morning. We still have you know three days left of the month, and I've already exceeded that just by just by a hair. And so it's it's refreshing to see that the the, the downloads are going up, and the podcast is really starting to pick up steam. It's still not uh, it's not still not like hugely or wildly popular, but uh, it's good to see that numbers are going up. And I, you know, I'm in it for the long term, and uh, you know, it's good to see that progress. And you know, like you know, like putting together a podcast is a lot of work. It's the pre planning, it it's the recording, <laughs> the show notes, everything that you that comes along with the podcast. It's a lot of work, and virtually no nothing in return. It's it's all money out versus money in. Mm. You, you do it either because you love it or because you hope over the long-term, you know, several years or whatever, it'll get to the point where it will actually start generating money where it covers all the expenses and hopefully a little bit of something extra for, for your pocket as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like your show. Why? Uh, because it's, uh, it covers places from all over the world. I, I listened to one episode, so there's one download of me today. It's uh, uh, the Belgian lady that lives in Leuven. And there's there's episodes in Hong Kong, in Japan, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's really everywhere. So it's fantastic. So that's, uh, you know, and in in half an hour, it's a fun episode and you get insider tips and you get uh, what I'm mostly looking forward to is the the food part. So I know that uh, if I will travel again soon after this virus is over, I will go, I will uh, see if the city is talked about in your show, and I will listen to that episode. You know, it's fun, you know?
1: Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, and thank you for the download and for saying that. (laughs) Uh, I will say this. If people listening to your podcast, if somebody wants to talk about their city and represent their city, they can go to wetravelthere.com forward slash guest and submit their information. And I'd love to have them on. Like you said, it's cities from all over the world, uh, not just US focused. So it's all over the world. and it's not just big cities either. So it's you know, like we talked, like you mentioned Japan, for example. Obviously, Tokyo is, is a big city uh, in Japan, and that's something that probably is one of the first places people think of when they when they're planning a visit to Japan. But I also have an episode for Kamakura, Japan, which is about an hour uh, hour south there, and it's right on the coastline.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a, it's a really fun city, uh, a lot of things to offer. And even if you don't go to that city and and plan to spend an entire vacation there, maybe it's something when you go to Tokyo. You say, say you know what? Uh, I listen to that episode and it, it seems really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna take like one or two days to make a little detour to go visit that little city, enjoy what they have to offer, and then go back and spend the rest of the time in Tokyo.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what maybe something you would not think about it uh, otherwise. And and myself, I was on the show. I was I talked about uh, Oslo, so uh, <laughs> my very first podcast episode. So yeah, I'm there too. So we we talk about cities in Europe, cities in South America, Japan, Asia, everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. And I recommend it to everybody. I'll link it, um, I'll link the, the guest link to, in the show notes, uh, Lee. And Lee, I think we, we come at the end of the show. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you so much for um, being open uh, and sharing your, your story on the podcast. I think it's quite inspirational. And I'll thank you for the actionable tips. So that, that, that's great. I think that can help many people over. Many listeners to uh yeah to get started to get uh, their finances better together so they can yeah maybe make the moves they want for their life, so I think it it's really important. I think there was uh, uh, key elements to to start and Lee, as you know, before we we head off, we always have our uh, three quick fire questions. Are you ready?
1: Uh, absolutely
0: let's do it. fantastic. So we talked a bit about uh, investments like your rental units the stock markets and so on. But what has been your best investment so far, Lee? Uh,
1: for me, uh, it was actually going to FinCon. So it was mm. it was one of those things, it was a conference that I, I not necessarily had like a, any real reason to go because again, I, I had a day job and, and everything else. But I went just kind of on a lark, right? I went there just to see what it was like. And that investment really kind of changed the direction in my life. And and obviously not a lot of people here uh, that are listening or are necessarily going to be doing you know, personal finance or writing or or whatever type of content, but I would suggest I would say if you're looking to do something in your life, take a little bit of money and find a conference that is related to something that that you're interested in, or that's uh, that's something that's related to your career, and see if you can meet some people uh, that maybe have uh, other job prospects for you or that uh, you can go there and you can learn some additional skills that you can do better in, in your current job. Those types of things are incredibly valuable. And that is going to be one of the best investments you'll ever make is creating opportunities for you to learn and to network with people that will help advance your career.
0: No, mm-hmm. oh, Absolutely great. I'm FinCon. I've been there last year. Okay, the people there are particularly nice. So it, it doesn't even feel like business. So that, that's the fun thing. But you know, it can mean business. So that's that, that the whole thing. So that's, it, it's great. So I don't know if there's many conferences like this, but yeah, I had a great experience there. And yeah, I think anyway, in any type of field that you are, uh, connecting with like-minded people is what will help you grow. I mean, I, I play music as a hobby. It's by getting inspired from my friends and some uh, other people that you want to play better or more. And yeah, that you find opportunities, for example. So, uh, Lee, question number two. What is the best book you can recommend to anyone? And it doesn't need to be a financial book.
1: Absolutely. So, one of the books that I don't know if it necessarily changed my life or uh, or anything like that in, in such a grand way, at least not something that wasn't uh, overt there, but uh, something called the, the Alchemist by Paulo Kahlo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I probably mispronounced his name. He has a Brazilian last name. <laughs> but uh, the book is is really fantastic. And it just, it kind of helps, like open your eyes to like your your normal daily living, and uh, I don't know. It, I read it a long time ago, so I, I'm a little like a little rusty on on the exact everything that happened in the book. But I know that the basically the, the gentleman was on a, on a path on a uh, on a journey, and he met a lot of people along the way that changed the the course of his journey and changed the course of his life. And sometimes you have to be open to allowing that to happen. You know, if you have your blinders on and you aren't willing to uh, change your opinions on things, it's going to be a rougher life for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're able to open your, open your, your mind and your eyes uh, and your heart to the people that you pass along the way, it can have a, a profound effect on you and change your life in just the most positive way.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I read it actually... Uh, just before the summer. So I remember it a bit, maybe more vividly, Ali. Uh, one thing, okay, I didn't like every part of the book, but that's my opinion. What I liked, however, is that as well to add to, I had, I like this component of being open. And I remember that uh, the guy was pretty resourceful. So many things happen. I think uh, if you remember, he gets uh, his uh, sword uh, stolen in the, in the market or his money. Mm-hmm. And he... he became very resourceful because he was focused on his goal. So he didn't let, let his guard down. He was really focused. So it's something that I appreciate from the book. It's, uh, okay, this resourcefulness and this, uh, okay, despite the circumstances, try to see what he can do to still try to achieve his goal, which in the end he managed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I just looked in the in the the binding of the book, and I read it in November of 2006, so 14 years okay. ago. <laughs> so so you can understand I'm a little rusty on it, but it, it definitely had a, a, a profound effect on me, uh, and I remember it to this day.
0: Okay, very good. And then um, the last question, Lee, what is the best purchase you've made for under $100? Uh,
1: so this one's actually right at that limit, $100. It's something called global entry. And so Here as an American, when we travel, there is a, they call it a trusted traveler program. And so what it does is it saves you time when you travel. Every time you go to the airport, uh, instead of sitting in the long line with everybody else and having to take off your shoes and your belts and take your laptop out of your bag and Mm -hmm. all your liquids, uh, everything else, like, oh, it's such a, it's it's such a pain. Although because I haven't flown much recently, I would welcome that at this point, but, (laughs) but Normally, in normal times, uh, it it slows down the, the entire process. You, the lines are long. Everybody's kind of grumpy. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a total hassle. Yeah. But you pay a hundred dollars, and it's good for five years. Totally. And global entry allows you to, to basically to get into a dedicated line where you don't have to take off your shoes. You can keep your belt on. You, um, you know, you can uh, keep your liquids in your bag and your laptop and stuff like that. So you breeze through the security process because they've already kind of pre screened you. Mm -hmm. And did a background check on You to see like, okay, is this person likely to do terrorism? Or is this person just somebody who wants to travel and fly from Nashville to LA, right? Mm -hmm. And so it speeds that process along. And even more so, when I'm traveling internationally, because I love visiting all these other countries and and a lot of the places I've been able to interview. When I come back from those travels, coming into the United States it actually speeds the custom process along as well. Mm. So uh, I recently took a flight with my son to, to Cabo, in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. And we got off the plane, walked through, walked to customs. We literally pushed the button, did a facial recognition, and we got through customs in 15 seconds. Mm. Whereas everybody else that was on the plane was stuck there probably for another 20, or 30 minutes as they pr- went through that entire process and and uh, waited in the line and everything else. So to me, my time is valuable. I value my time to the point where I'm willing to pay for these types of services. And uh, it's, it's a huge thing. It, it reduces the stress. It makes the, the whole travel experience so much better. And because I have uh, credit cards that give me lounge access, when I am flying, I get into the lounge that much quicker. so That way I can go <laughs> enjoy myself uh, before I get onto the flight.
0: Very good. And for 20 bucks a year, come on. It's like, it's a no brainer. Absolutely. I I
1: guarantee you that a lot of people when they're standing in that line, all frustrated and trying to catch their flight, maybe they're going to miss the flight because the line is so long. They would gladly pay $20 on the spot to be able to skip the line.
0: Exactly. Okay. Well, great tip. I'll link it. It's uh, too bad that we don't have this here, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I'd love that too. So Lee, thank you again so much. And uh, yeah, we talked a bit about your website but uh, how can people find you
1: yeah the best way is uh, everything at baldthoughts so my baldthoughts.com uh, on twitter instagram uh, facebook you know, all those different channels uh, mm-hmm. that's where you can find me that's where i talk about all the things you know miles and points and travel experiences and things like that and then at we travel there we travel there.com and then we travel there on all the different uh, social media channels as well if you want to learn about the podcast Uh, And again, hopefully somebody that's listening here would be interested in representing their city. And uh, hopefully one day uh, you'll be listening to their episode too, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. And uh, tell Lee you came from this podcast to his podcast. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, that's how we connect. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Lee, thanks again so much. And I'll speak to you soon.
1: It was great talking to you, buddy.
0: I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And who knows, maybe you are the next guest on the We Travel There podcast. So so yeah, make sure you sign up for it. I've linked it uh, in the show notes so you can uh, just sign up there and then uh, connect with Lee. And now before we head off, here are the key takeaways for today. Number one, no matter how successful your career may be, things can still change. And if you feel Lee, there's a change in the air. well, ask yourself, should I change jobs to something similar or should I do something else? Number two, Define your priorities and run the numbers. For Lee, it was to spend more time with kids, see them grow. And after running the numbers, well, they came to the conclusion that they needed to move to a cheaper area. And of course, this will depend on your situation. eh? Your situation will be different, but it's all about, again, defining your priorities, running the numbers and see if it makes sense for you. Number three, if you go the freelance route, well, pay attention to your cash flow as your income will become more uh, fluctuating. If you have extra money at the end of the month for example well you can pay for your home faster you can accelerate the the payment but the money you put in there is illiquid while if you put that extra money in the stock markets you get more flexibility so just pay attention to that number four the tips for us with regular incomes (laughs) Uh, so number one look at cheaper alternatives for what you use focus on the big wins and the low-hanging fruits for example negotiating your insurance your car insurance, your mortgage, etc. And yeah, focus as well on your top ten expenses and see where you can cut costs and save money. Number two, if you can in your country, use cashback cards and pay these in full every month. Of course, otherwise you're putting yourself in a worse situation than before. And number three, learn skills online that are in demand or side hustle. And this can be a couple of hours a week. You can it can be a Etsy shop, uh, some design work, some freelance work. Likely, why not? And uh, yeah, see if you can make some extra money there. And last key takeaway for today, use the power of networking at conferences. You never know what might come out of it. In the end, Lee started his website as a hobby back in 2011, and now he's working full-time on his passions. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast, And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at com or connect through social media at JohnnyTalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.